Hello, heroes. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Q, and I've got a hell of a show for you today. Uh, we're going to be talking to Michael Sharp. He's a dungeon master from New Zealand, and he's uh, running a 5e actual play podcast called Guardians of the Gygaxy. It's pretty interesting. We're going to talk about a few things. But first, I have something I need to talk to you about. I live in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and this weekend, it is Ottawa Comic Con. We have a really great uh, Ottawa Comic Con this year, especially Tom Welling's going to be there from Smallville. Sean Astin. Sean fucking Astin's going to be there. Yeah, Sean Astin, Mr. Goonies, Rudy, fucking Toy Soldier, fucking Samuel Gamgee, fucking Sean fucking Astin's going to be there. Fucking awesome. Uh, we're going to have uh, Kevin Conroy over there, my favorite Batman. Uh, there's going to be Ron Perlman and Gina Torres. There's going to be quite a lot of cool people there. Unfortunately, I can't go. It's Mother's Day weekend. And every year, Ottawa Comic Con lands on Mother's Day weekend. Do the organizers not realize that Mother's Day weekend is kind of a big thing? I mean, fanboys and fangirls are also mama's boys and mama's girls, aren't they? I think, I think there's like this cliche about uh, geeks living in their mother's basement till they're like 35. I think that's a, a, a cliche for a reason. I think that's a stereotype for a reason. Um, what I'm trying to get at here is that I never go to Comic-Con in Ottawa because I'm busy paying homage and love to all my mothers. Yeah, yeah, you heard me right. I said all my mothers. I have seven mothers. You don't believe me? Let's count them. I have my own mother. Hi, Mom. I love you. Happy Mother's Day. I have her wife, my stepmother, Diane, who we lovingly call Grams. I love you, Grams. Happy Mother's Day. I have my wife. She's a mother. She's not my mother, but she's a mother to my children. That's just as important, maybe more so. I love you, babe. I have my mother-in-law, Patsy. She takes care of us. She makes us dinners. She's a wonderful person, and I love her, too. Hi, Patsy. I have my two stepmoms. My dad's been married three times, so that's two extra stepmoms. Hi, Anne. Hi, Mindy. They're probably not listening, and I haven't talked to them in years, so I'm only using them in this, uh, this bit because it pads the numbers a little bit. And of course, I have my grandmother, my Mamere, Mamere Lucy. I love you, Mamere. Happy Mother's Day. So listen, how am I supposed to get out to see Tom Welling from Smallville or Sean fucking Aston. How am I supposed to make the trip to the Ernst & Young Center to see Rudy so he can sign a fucking picture for me when I'm spending my whole weekend loving and paying homage to seven mothers? I don't know. I don't know how I'm supposed to do that. Anyways, I'll just get that off my chest. And now here's the interview with Michael Sharp from the Guardians of the Gygaxy. Enjoy. Before we get to the interview with Michael, I wanted to talk to you about our sponsor, Backspun. Backspun is a shop in Cornwall, Ontario, Canada, and it specializes in rare records, rare toys, collectibles, and so much more. If you're looking for a toy that you haven't seen since you were a kid that you'd love to own again, or if you're looking for that rare record by Pearl Jam called Lost Dogs, or maybe you're looking for Gaius Cradle, a specific uh, Magic the Gathering card that would strengthen your green elf deck. If you're looking for something rare and something collectible, pretty sure that Backspun has it. If you don't have it and you want it, the Vintage Toy Man can get it. Backspun. Visit him at www.thevintagetoyman.com.
All right. Well, uh, with us today, we have Michael Sharp, right from New Zealand, the dungeon master of the Guardians of the Gygaxy podcast. It is a uh, Dungeons & Dragons 5e podcast, um, exploring the adventures of a group of misfits trying to escape the Underdark. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Mike. Michael. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, thank you for having me on. Yeah, you're very welcome. I, before, we, uh, before we start, I wanted to tell you, um, the honest truth of this is that um, your podcast uh, um, on the other side of the world has actually um, given me a little bit of inspiration to start my own thing here. Um, so the way that this worked is I, for the last five or six months, I had been wanting to do something. And we started a, an online uh, Instagram account, YouTube account, all these things. And uh, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do yet. And then I uh, started following you guys, started listening to your podcast. And then I saw a post on Instagram and it was a picture of your setup in your room. Oh, yeah. Yep. It was yep. just one microphone in the middle of the table hooked up to a laptop. And I thought to myself, it's so simple and they're doing it. In my mind, I thought I have to have all this equipment and everyone needs a microphone. Every, you know, I need all this recording equipment. And you guys were doing your thing with one microphone in the middle of the table. And I was so inspiring i said you know what fuck this i'm doing the podcast even if i have a shitty mic i'm doing it that's exactly the way i thought about it you know like you you can always get more mics later on and i mean the disclaimer i put at the beginning of episode one saying we're not professional quality yet it's it was a choice like i wanted to get into it and you know put our content out there because i i play with a lot of those players quite a bit and we have great games and i just wanted to make something that i could share with people and yeah the one mic in the middle of the table i thought would give it a round the table feel so like you're there with us it definitely does and, it definitely yeah. does yeah i um i i really uh, I really appreciated the the bare bones of it, and I thought this is this is exactly what any of us around the whole world can do, and um, it's also one of the reasons why I wanted to. I reached out to you immediately when I had the idea to start talking to other live streamers and podcasters about their games at home. I immediately sent you a message and said I want to I want to interview them primarily because it was um, such a simple idea, but something that really struck home with me. I can I can literally do this because look, they're doing it too. Yep, exactly. I see. You know, I I listen to a lot of D and D podcasts. You know, mm -hmm. I listen to the Adventure Zone. Um, the one that I listen to most and will. I'm a bit of a fanboy for them uh, is Drunks and Dragons mm -hmm. and it, they're very high quality but the beginning they you know didn't know how to play properly and all of that and it was a real round the table feeling and a lot of jokes even though they play in completely different states right um, and what I wanted to do was to take that idea and have it so we're all sitting around the table. We're all there. I mean, there's parts where the audio audio is completely garbled because everyone's laughing or talking right. over each other. Mm -hmm. And that's something we have to work on. But of course. At the same time, it I, I like the idea of it being like a group of friends playing. And I don't think you can get that through playing 
over well you can but not to the same levels as playing over um roll 20 and uh fantasy grounds and yeah. things like that I am. Um, I definitely. Well, being an outsider listening in, I was going to say looking in, but listening in, um, it really yeah. comes across that way. Um, you are right that there are times when everyone at the table is laughing and you can't really hear what's happening, but you know what's happening because you can feel it in everyone's laughter. And um, yeah. I, I, I myself as well listen to quite a lot of podcasts and live streams, and um, but there is definitely something special when you hear them the people all around the table together in the same room and uh you when you know even if you can't really tell um that that's the case you can feel it uh, on the recording um so I, I i appreciate that and i think that the uh, the, the listeners appreciate that as well oh that's really good to hear because the one thing i've found through interacting with the community is you get people like yourself and um on instagram uh rolling at 20 um mm -hmm. he has been so supportive with feedback and everything but as a whole the amount of listeners we get giving feedback is very small and we're like are we doing good and then of course we get people who reach out to us and tell us oh, i can't wait for the next episode or why did you do that to my favorite character right <laughs> yeah it's great that's that's yeah. the uh, that's that's literally the dream right like if you yeah, can break some hearts amazing. along the way, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, I mean, you're up to episode eight. So I'm yes. actually, uh, I just finished episode 10. So I, uh, oh. yeah, I powered through yeah, some today yeah. just to be able to get ready for all this. I had hoped <laughs> that I was going to be fully caught up. But um, to be honest, I listen to so much. I consume so yeah. much in a day. I um I have like a two and a half hour uh, commute to and back from work. Um, that's like an hour and some there, an hour and some back. So I'm always on my uh, my headphones listening to something. And uh, there are a few non D and D related podcasts that I listen to as well. And some yeah. of them are an absolute must. As soon as that one uh, that that podcast comes up, I have to listen to it. Uh, uh, yeah. Even if literally, even if I am interviewing one of the person that night, uh, their podcast has to sit on the sidelines for a little bit because there's something else that's super interesting. So, I know exactly what you mean. I I have automatic downloads for podcasts, and as soon as they're out, I listen to them no yeah. matter what. <laughs> it's a it's such a weird thing to um to look up your own podcast on spotify or on itunes it is uh, to see that symbol on there is is mind-blowing like i haven't even done anything yet really like i've <laughs> recorded two really crappy podcasts and uploaded them and i feel like i did something like i feel pretty proud of it like yeah it's it's a weird sense of pride and nervousness mixed together when we first started uploading them i was checking the numbers every day yeah you know multiple times a day like, mm -hmm. oh, we got another listener oh. right now i have to be reminded to check it just because one i'm really busy <laughs> um and two i i'm the nervousness is sort of dissipated and it's it's replaced with okay we're moving in the right direction i i want to make sure my content is great right let's uh let's shift gears here for a second let's um Let's start at the beginning. Let's start at your uh, with your own personal D and D story. Um, we all have it, right? We all have a story yeah. of how we started and how did you uh, how did you start with uh, with all this stuff? 
So my first tabletop experience was uh, Dark Heresy, uh, 40k. Uh, okay. Which is loosely based off um, uh, 3.5, very loosely. Right. Um, that I played a tech priest who was obsessed with bombs and built a bomb in his chest hmm. uh, and had a spear with a grenade attached and uh, ended up sacrificing himself. And that was fun. Uh, heartbreaking at moments, but we played with my friend's younger brother, who I actually ended up playing uh, my first D&D experience with, and a couple of friends at my job, which uh, was a comedy bar. So it was all about uh, having fun. Like, the rules sort of took a backseat if it was right. going to be fun. And... Yeah, I think that's where I fell in love with it. Then we moved on to 3.5, and um, I played a cleric. Uh, I had to drop it low because I was went overseas for a few months, and they continued the campaign without me. Uh, my character died again <laughs> just before I left. And, um, yeah, then I ended up getting into 5th edition and dungeon mastering it. That's when I started DMing. Is this and campaign that you're uh, that you're running your first DMing, or did you DM before that? No, I've been DMing for about seven years now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a very loose style of DMing, which I prepare very little because all my players always deviate. I I can't railroad them. Right. I try. I can't. They blow up the tracks. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think most. I think most DMs are like that. I think most DMs have to be versatile. I'm. Yeah. I myself am definitely a um, more of an imp- improv DM. Um, yeah. I'm actually running a, a Waterdeep Dragon Heist right now for my group, and it's literally a module that has everything in it. And uh, we're not even doing the module. Like the, one of my players asked me uh, two weeks ago, "Are we even playing the module? Like what's what's happening?" And I'm like, "I literally we're not playing it right now. You guys are doing your own thing. You guys are on off the rails and doing whatever you want. I'll eventually bring you back to it. But for right now, you're having fun, so that it's all that matters." Oh, definitely, definitely. Like I also DM for a group at Adventure League. Uh, that's oh, okay. how I met some of the players on the cast, and. I'm, I'm doing uh, Princes of the Apocalypse, and we're doing the sort of introductory adventures to level them up to three, and it's been eight sessions, and they're just at level two. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, they there's already been a cannibalism. Um, oh, wow. A half-orc accidentally ate um, a missing little girl that was being cooked by a goblin and half-ogre. Um, they've duel with a uh, um, ghost who was guarding a tomb which they dishonored uh, and basically the, they had a really somber moment when they the girl missing uh, saying they'd found her and she was eaten it, it took them a couple of sessions to realize that the player had actually eaten the little girl All right. Uh, yeah, uh, but they when they caught on, there was uh, we we can't tell we can't tell the town that you ate her. They love us in town. We're the heroes. Yeah, the, the heroes, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the hungry heroes. Um, so, what do you uh, for the um, for your uh, podcast game? Do you um, do you have a set day that you play, 
or is it just when everyone ever can get together? Yeah, we record on Sundays. Uh, it's usually two sessions. Um, and so we play for sort of two and a half to three hours and I edit it down. Um, but it's usually every second week or if I want to build up a bit of a backlog, which I've been doing, we have been doing uh, four sessions in one sitting because I, I take care of all of the technical elements as we're playing as right. well. It, it can be a bit overwhelming for four hours, mm-hmm. four to six hours, but it, it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable. Okay. So you yeah. uh, so you sit down for a, a period of time that Sunday, and you may record up to four actual sessions, separate sessions. Uh, yeah, four actual like episodes. Right. Um, we record them in episodes. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it's always. I I think you can tell when we've been playing in consecutive uh, order mm-hmm. because everyone will be really good on the recap right <laughs> yeah whereas um i prefer when they're not really good on the recap actually that's like that's a great segue let's talk about your recap um i i love this this is one of the homebrew things that i've found uh that is so intriguing i love this so much um normally when i sit down to play i say okay who can who can tell me what happened next time and it always ends up being me telling everyone what happened next yep. or last time i should say but uh, you, um, tell us what you do for your recap. So this is actually stolen from another podcast. Yeah, uh, it's the Junks and Dragons podcast. It's called the Babson Rule, okay. um, which was one of their um, fans came up with the rule for them. And uh, they've been going for almost eight years, I think. Something like 300 and... 10 episodes that's crazy but um yeah i i can't even imagine getting up to that yeah and um i adopted it into my home brew games just because it made it really easy to see who's actually listening and right. who's you know uh and what they're picking up is important so i can mm-hmm. emphasize on what's actually important right to them while we're playing um and adjust to that and yeah, it's just become such an integral part of how our group operates um, normally that it made it onto the podcast. Yeah, that's great. A few, I, th- I think it was a few episodes uh, ago. So I would have been like episode six, I think you had some, uh, you had them roll at the beginning. So you have them roll a D20 yeah. and whoever rolls the highest number is the person who um, uh, has to do the recap from the the, the, uh, yeah. the episode before. And um can't remember if it was lay or if it was um i can't remember who it was but someone asked do i do this in character or do i do this as myself and i think they did it in character and that's fantastic because that character will have a different perspective of what happened to them than another character will right according to according to bubbles things went great but according to everyone else bubbles tried to kill them so it's yeah. yeah we uh we have adapted that rule further to if uh you roll a one you do it as lolf <laughs> that's perfect yeah that's great <laughs> yeah um and they've i i allowed them to let for one uh if they rolled a 20 um i did it then i realized the odds were stacked against me with four people rolling yeah <laughs> that uh and the amount of 20s they get in the pre-game is ridiculous so i I cut that 
rule immediately. Yeah. I'm, no, I'm not doing the recap every week now. Yeah, as a side thing, uh, it's astonishing how many 20s come out in a game. Oh, it's amazing. Like, you would it's think amazing. that um, it has just as much chance as any other number coming up on those dice. And it should, because it's literally a random dice. But those yeah. 20s hit you, man. Especially if you're a DM and you don't want a 20 to hit, they hit. Oh, they, they do. Like, um, when uh, Jerry was scaling down the wall and mm. just got a 20, and I'm just like, oh my god, what can I do? Yeah, there's nothing you can do. Exactly. They, they just get 20s at the most appropriate moments for themselves, but not for me. That's uh, that's D&D, &D though, right? Like, that's always yeah. been D&D. &D. Um, that dice is... Is a, it's such a magical thing that happens sometimes. I played in a campaign. My buddy and I, Dwayne, uh, we lived together. We were roommates. And um, we didn't have anybody else to play with. So we played just with the, each other. And he played two NPCs and he ran the game. And I played yep. two characters. I played... Uh, so we did this dungeon that he did. Yep. And we played that campaign for years. Just the two of us. <laughs> we got to the end. Okay. We got to the end, and he said, we're going to turn this into an epic-level campaign, and we're going to bring other players in. So now I was playing one of those two characters. The other character had retired, and I was surrounded by four people at a table, and now we were fighting his two NPCs who had become the big bad in the game. Okay? Oh, awesome. And literally, the first round at the beginning of the day was his NPC and my player character, who had been buddies for 20 levels, his NPC was a wizard, a necromancer, and cast a spell on me, and I rolled a one on my saving throw, and I died, and I sat there. They were all at my house, and I sat there for eight hours watching them play my game that I had spent 20 levels playing, and these other players played in the finale of the story while I was dead. So sometimes that dice will fuck you. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, it will. Uh but um, yeah, that's that's sort of why I included the if bubbles rolls a one um, or Atari rolls a one, then and with the saving for it, right? And um, yeah, the three chances is it's come close a couple of times. Yeah, like yeah, <laughs> it's it's I love that rule, but at the same time, it's gonna kill them. Oh yeah, it's it's yeah. deadly. Because it's going to happen. You think it's not, oh, it won't happen, but it'll happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I, seven, where um, Bubbles mutilated Boja. And mm. uh, yeah. that whole scene, Ataria was on the edge of, like, I broke her. Right. I broke her as a person. She was on the edge of, to, like, a mixture of laughing and crying just because not over mutilating Boja. No. <laughs> over like the possibility of killing Jim Jar. Right. <laughs> um, which uh, I I now know how to break her if I need to. Right. Just to uh, kill Jim Jar in the most horrific way possible. Right. Well she if I if my memory serves me right, she was the first uh, player character to make friends with that NPC and has yes. carried that through um, this whole time as being not just uh, protective of him, but um, quite friendly together. Like they they are yep, yep. quite good friends in the in the story. Yep. Oh, definitely, they're best buddies. You know, they're they're sort of like um, uh, 
How I... So, uh, Atari has a very different headcanon to the rest of us of what Jim Jar actually looks like. Right. The, everyone else is slightly terrified by Jim Jar because of how I've described him as, you know never blinking and just this massive smile on his face all the right. time and right. literally the joker <laughs> yeah yeah and um she she imagines him more like a care bear <laughs> and, um, and, yeah i i think we discuss it in a later episode of her headcanon and everyone else uh, then describes their headcanon and no yeah. <laughs> it does not match up that's funny that's hilarious um, you had mentioned earlier about um, the, the the laughing at the table, um, yes. uh, and we were talking about how um, uh, I was saying that I, I really love those moments on your podcast. How when everyone uh, laughs, it seems to happen quite a bit, um, in the sense that uh, the, the, your your players at the table get along really well. Were they all um, friendly beforehand, or did you cultivate them from different spots? I so um, Byron and Nataria knew each other mm -hmm. beforehand um i knew byron from uni okay uh nick has been my friend uh ever since i moved to new zealand which was when i was 12 so i've known him for god 17 years that's yeah and um lay i i met lay and um basically brought them all together uh Lay to D and D, and seeing what happened. <laughs> are they all fairly new to uh, to role playing, or they have uh, all their own a personal D and D uh, story? I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Lay is probably Lay and Atari are probably the newest, but they are the most consistent players. So they play <clears throat> most often. Mm -hmm. um, Nick had the least experience. Uh, he's played over the years a couple of times, but it'll be for a session or two. And then uh, he he has a habit of going through phases where he gets super busy right. and um, can't commit to sessions. And that's actually why we had to sort of write him out of the cast. Right. Um, it, it wasn't... It wasn't... At the point he was, uh, where he wanders off into the Underdark, that was completely accidental. Right. He, his character thought it was going to be a way up uh, to the others, mm -hmm. not knowing he was just wandering off into the Underdark. And um, he was basically told me he couldn't come to the next two sessions. And I'm like, well, we we need to like talk about this. And right. um, yeah, he he was like, yeah, I I think you might need another player just because I, I don't want to let you guys down. Of course. And yeah. But who knows? Your crook could be alive. He could be dead. He could be wandering in the underdark. I mean, know. as a, a good friend and a good DM will always let a character be alive if they want to come back to the table. Yeah. However, <laughs> however, the underdark is a very dangerous place. It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> and he was level three when they wandered. Yeah. yeah, no, no. You need friends at that level. You need friends. Yeah. Um, we, uh, uh, I wanted to also mention, uh, that uh, you, um, are playing quite fast and loose with that, uh, that tarot card deck, uh, oh, yeah. um, yeah, the, the deck of many things. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. I, I get the feeling that the players at the table are not necessarily well-versed in the really bad aspects of this deck of cards. Uh, Ataria was not. Uh, I think Byron was, like, laughing. Like, you don't know what this is, do you? Yeah. You don't know what this is. Yeah. And, um, but her fucking dumb luck she draws five of the best cards yeah, that's literally the most insane thing i've ever seen or heard i guess yep. it's <laughs> literally the the crazy i i couldn't believe that she had grabbed more than one yeah yeah i i was well i mean i i was trying to entice her into you know maybe getting another curse or something like that yeah but um yeah no i didn't think she'd go for what was it, three and then drawing two more? Yeah. It, it was insane. And then uh, Byron with Boja draws um, cards after and doesn't get the same luck. No, he did card. not, did he? Yeah. <laughs> um, I liked the uh, I liked the later on the admission of Jim Jar uh, saying to uh, Jerry that he had hoped that she would pull the one where she gets imprisoned in the abyssal plane. <laughs> that's that's too funny to me yeah. just a straight up admission <laughs> i was really hoping for the worst possible card for you yeah well it, it would be pretty funny um i i love the idea of how my car uh, my players play their characters to a t like uh because i didn't tell them the setting they were going into or anything i'm just like make a character you think would be fun to play mm -hmm. and lay came this uh, lizard person who essentially um, functions in a way that most sentient things don't. So it's all about survival, all about what is important for, uh, driven by fear and hunger and all of those sort of basic needs and emotions rather than, uh, you know, uh, a sense of honor or a sense of duty or like ideology right it, it's yeah and having her run alongside with uh, characters who like your crook who is this honor bound paladin um and boja who <laughs> who gets tested on being uh lawful good <laughs> right and um bubbles who is just like i want to make friends with everything right yeah and yeah just seeing them stick to their sort of character's philosophy is just awesome how did they um how did they feel when you uh pulled a um elder scrolls oblivion on them and started them <laughs> in a prison um in the underdark uh they they were pretty annoyed uh, yeah <laughs> they, they were like well where's our gear um and i'm just like well you have to find it that's Oh, also, you can't cast uh, higher than cantrips if you don't have your spell focus. Right. So go find those. And um, yeah, I I couldn't believe how long it took them to get a plan of escaping. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I thought you know they would have rallied all the groups together, the NPCs, and even talking to the other player characters, they didn't do for the first episode, really. Mm -hmm. um, I think the only ones who sort of communicated between themselves were um, your Crook and Bubbles. I think so. And, yeah. 
I think there were slight uh, uh, interactions between the others, but uh, no more than a passing stare or a uh, like a, a threatening glance or something. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, and I, I just love the way that they sort of eventually uh, tried a few futile attempts at escape. <laughs> I can understand... I can understand their hesitancy. Like a, a level one character, fully armored in the world, is susceptible to dying at any moment. Um, let alone one who is a prisoner with no gear. Um, I could understand their their fear of uh, you know of death. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I was wondering whether because uh, I was using the out of the abyss start um, from the module, uh, which is my favorite module ever. It's just so weird and sandboxy in a way like it's you basically go on a tour of the underdark but i decided i'm just going to have the prison start and then the rest of the uh world is actually going to be my own creation yeah that's they... the other question i wanted to ask you about um um this is a homebrew uh um campaign but does it take place in forgotten realms no it doesn't okay so uh it takes place in a world called the known Gygaxy. Okay. Uh, which is a homage to Gary Gygax, of course. Obviously. Um, and uh, yeah, so we we've talked about a few things. Like we wanted to include all of um, the races that no one ever plays. The uh, classes, I didn't put any restrictions on that as long as it was unearthed arcana or mm -hmm. you know they passed off a homebrew with me. I, mm -hmm. I was fine with it. Um, because I really wanted the players to make the world their own. Uh, so the capital was actually named by Nick, um, the Dwarven capital, Nelthiad. I Once I realized that none of the players wanted to play as a human, I decided to make humans a minority in the world. Oh, so uh, the idea that it goes against most high fantasy where... Uh, humans are numerous and industrious and all of this and they mm -hmm. adapt to all situations um, in in our world they tried to do that and were banded against by the other races and taken down so now that they're small nomadic sort of tribes mm -hmm. are left uh, there's no human civilization per se right and um, Dwarves are by far the most numerous and dominant. They have uh, Nelthiad itself. I have the head canon of it as uh, Minas Tirith and Gondor, but um, much bigger. And what's visible from the surface is only the tip of the iceberg. It goes way further down, and uh, they don't have police or guards or things like that they have orders of paladins which actually work as law enforcement and mm. they can be you know an order of four people but they all sort of answer to one grand master all right yeah uh, I, I like that I, I i like um taking um tropes and flipping them on their head the the human being in a minority thing is uh is quite uh it's quite tasty yeah and it it allows for um if players do play as a human, it's quite an exotic thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, and people like, will human, look... Yeah. I don't think I've seen one before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. Um, are you taking a lot of your cues of the, the Drow and Underdark from uh, 
from what has already been established about their society in like Forgotten Realms and Salvatore and stuff? Or are you kind of riffing uh, on your own? A lot of it, yes. Um, I, I do have plans of uh, them making bizarre alliances. Um, and yeah, uh, their relationship with Loth is a little bit different. Like uh, it, it's still a matriarchal society, but Jiders uh, have a higher status than um, they do in the Forgotten Realms. Um, and yeah, my plan is to make it recognizable as dark elf but make it our own version of them yeah i like that that's great they're such an and interesting only, race yeah and having them as bogan australians is just the icing on the cake yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fantastic um so uh what uh, what do you see going forward with uh with the podcast what do you um like, what would you like it to be within your, you know, in, in your perfect dreams? What would you like it to, to do? That, that is a good question. Well, I'd, I'd like to reach as many people as possible because I I think our content is great. And now uh, we've, we've recorded up to episode 18 so far. And it means they are at the point where they're going to start exploring the world around and I'd like the community's input on that. Uh, I have Rolanet uh, on Instagram. He's actually written a couple of little side adventures that we can use. Oh, that's great. Um, which is great. Yeah, they're really fun little yeah. side adventures. And um, I, I just love to see where these characters go and how they're going to deal with Lolf and Mistress Ilvara's invasion. Yeah. I... I I honestly have no idea how they're going to do it. It's not, I don't have faith in them. It's, they could just mess it up. Well, that's um, literally um, all of role-playing in a nutshell is the players could just mess it all up. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, But I'll try and guide them in the right direction, hopefully. Um, But... I'm trying. Uh, we have our Patreon campaign as well, which is called uh, Mordenkheimer's Tome of Bros, or Morty's Tome of Bros for short. Which, again, a nod to Gary Gygax nice. and uh, his content. And um, in that, we basically create characters uh, at a certain level. Um, it's a rotating DM, so I DM the first one, and the big bad was Loth, and everyone creates characters at a certain level then uh they create a list of instructions on how to role play that character and then we put all the names in a hat and they're drawn out and everyone plays someone else's character that sounds super fun uh it's insane um lay and ataria made a bet um that uh whoever died first uh because the whole concept of Morty's Toma Bros is it's a list of names of adventurers who have died fighting the baddest things out there. <laughs> <laughs> so I, they went into it knowing you're not going to survive these, have fun making characters that are going to, you know, mess with other players, right? Like, just mess with them. And they made a bet to uh, play a race called Equiqui, which are tiny owlbear type. Oh, okay. Uh, 
imagine Ewoks meet uh, owls. Sweet. And that's what an Equipe is. Yeah. And the first person out of them to die got sole rights to it. Ataria played a wizard with, I think they were level 15, and um, it had something like 50 to 80 hit points. It was it was bad. Yeah. And Lay played a... Um, a Warforged with an AC of 20. Holy jeez. <laughs> so, and a lot of HP, and I couldn't hit her. Right. At all. <laughs> so, um, Atari won the rights to play a Kwee That's cool. Yep. So she is the only person who, in the podcast, will ever be able to play one. If you... Um... If you uh, uh, were to give uh, someone who wanted to start their own podcast like yours any advice, what would you uh, what would you tell them? I would say the best way to do it is to just do it. Like there's, you you can spend a lot of time preparing and wondering like, ah, uh, what will we do in this situation, or do we have like the right setup? Or I mean, we change venues three times to find like the perfect setup mm-hmm. and um yeah you can sort of tell in the sound quality the ones um around episode 10 to 12 they're they're in a location which is a massive room and it's kind of echoey um but yeah just just get stuck into it really because that's the only you're only going to learn through doing it and yeah in small increments yeah that's great advice uh I, like i said to you earlier it uh it was an inspiration to, to just to see that you guys were starting it with uh with bare bones and uh and now i'm doing the same thing so thanks a lot to michael for for that and thanks a lot for this conversation if uh no people want to reach out and get a hold of you where can they find you uh so they can find us on instagram at guardians of the Gygaxy, um or if they want to reach me personally, uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at msharpwares. That's M S H A R W A Z, and that's for both Instagram and Twitter. I'm really hard to find on Facebook, so there's no luck going on there. But if you do want to find me, it's uh, Broseph Delacroix is my name on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I don't use my actual name. Um, and yeah, uh, I mean. If you find me on Instagram or Twitter, you'll be able to find the rest of the guys on there. Excellent. I'll be able to point you in the right direction of your favorite cast member. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> well, thanks for being with us today. This was a lot of fun, and uh, maybe we'll try to uh, do this again sometime when uh, the characters um, get a little farther along their adventure. Yeah, I, I would love to, and thanks for having me on, Sean. Well, that was the interview with Michael. We had a, a great chat that night. It was uh, really, really fun to talk to him. Uh, halfway around the world, I had just put the girls to bed. It was 9 o'clock at night, and it was noon where he was the next day. So it was like I was talking to the future. It was kind of cool. A uh, hell of an interesting guy and a hell of an interesting podcast that he's got going on there. If you want to check his stuff out, you can find him, uh, Guardians of the Gygax uh, Sea, on uh, iTunes or Spotify or anywhere you get your uh, podcasts. Um, You may have noticed a couple of mysterious liquid sounds going on in the show. Um, I uh, forgot how to use the mute button and uh, was drinking a coffee.
we had a couple of technical difficulties during the chat where you can kind of not hear a couple of things he said. I uh, tried to edit around it. At the end there, he's giving you um, some idea of where you could find him and, and track him down online. Um, I'll have all that information in the show notes so you can find him that way. Anyways, uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Take care, and uh, we'll see you next time, heroes. Thank you.